0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting, who will say hi to you because I told him to. Ben, say hi to the people. Hello. Uh, Ben was actually threatening to not say anything this entire podcast, but I am trying to convince him to do otherwise. Isn't that right, Ben?
1: I am like a child in an adult's body.
0: (laughs) Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, not children in adult bodies, although that might be a way to describe us as well. Um, We have a lot of really interesting cars to talk to you about this week, and we're going to just start it off. I had the new Infiniti QX80, which is a giant truck. Ben, what do you want to know about this thing? Well, I want to know just how different it is from last year's version of the truck. Okay, here's what it did. If you were to describe the QX80 in past years, you would say, geez, that's not a very pretty truck.
1: I don't you know people say that but I've never I've never had a hate on for how it looks I thought it was ostentatious but mm. what vehicle that size isn't ostentatious I think the
0: Lincoln Navigator and Cadillac Escalade and the Mercedes GLS aren't that obnoxious.
1: Okay, so uh, the GLS is totally anonymous looking, but the Escalade, come on, that isn't that isn't in your face vehicle. It's just so big. I love
0: the, the Escalade looks.
1: Oh, so and it's so so it's okay to be ostentatious if you like how it's ostentatious, but there's degrees of brashness. I'm
0: trying to figure out who thought that the Infiniti QX80 in the past looked good at all. Well, I didn't
1: have a problem with it, so fight me. But you, you didn't say looks good. <laughs> You said, I don't have a problem with it. That's neutral. Are you fishing for compliments for a vehicle you don't even own?
0: Anyways, what Infiniti has done with the 2018 model is they've uh, improved the front and rear end styling, they've gotten rid of the portholes only to replace them with nice looking vents, Um, and they have spruced up the interior pretty significantly and made it also a little bit more modern in terms of the types of entertainment features that this car can get.
1: So Um, when you say more modern for entertainment, does it still have that same corporate Infiniti Nissan uh, infotainment system? It has the
0: Infinity infotainment system, but that's not what I meant. Um, I meant that you can get these really sleek um, two HDMI screens in the, b- in the back of the car um, with, with headphones and HDMI cables and Wi-Fi so that you can uh, entertain people back there for um, periods of time. It depends how many box, what box set of DVDs you own. Okay. So Gilmore Girls. What, can, I, tor-
1: can I torrent? Can I use torrents? Uh, I'm sure we can find out a way to do that. Can Maybe I install XMBC?
0: We should, Cody. That'd be great. Um, the other thing I like about this car, though, is the the, the attention to detail with the interior um, is amazing. This is a car that really puts um, interior quality above anything else. I love the way the stitching looks. I love the way the leather feels. Um, the car has now wider side-fields so or side-steps so that you can get into the car a little bit easier. Um, Additionally, there's one more funky feature. It's got one of those camera screen rear view mirrors. So there's a camera on the back of the car just on the inside of the rear, view, the, the rear hatch that will display a feed to the front rear view mirror or the, the driver's rear view mirror. So that if there's a lot of things in the back of the vehicle or passengers blocking your view of the rear, the road behind you, you can just flip this button and see what's going on behind
1: you. Okay, so there's still a normal mirror there too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. So you'll you'll
0: recognize this as being something that I think was introduced on a Cadillac and a Bolt uh, and the Chevy Bolt in the past. Yeah, but the, Cad- also-
1: the Cadillac one is quite different because it's actually a wide-angle camera outside of the vehicle. So
0: this doesn't have that wide of an angle, which is what kind of bugged me the most. Um, so it's really useful for for in that specific use case scenario. While the Cadillac ones seem like they can be used almost any. Uh, anytime while you're driving, um, Infiniti's also usually come with a ton of driver assistance features and safety features, and the QX80 is no different. It has that great 360 view, uh, 360 degree camera, which allows you to park this car really easily, even though it's the size of a house. Um, and there's also that really good adaptive cruise control system that can see two cars ahead of the car or ahead of you, so that it can prepare um, emergency braking or adaptive or just normal braking. Um, much quicker and smoother.
1: So is any and, of that new? Is, is this all new equipment? No, none of that is new. Okay, so, so what's new what, about this vehicle? Why why is it significant? <laughs> Not very much
0: is new. It's gotten refreshed. Um, it, um, it still has the same 5.6 liter V8. It still has the same seven-speed um, automatic transmission. It has a rear-leveling, uh, auto-leveling suspension setup. Not much is new about this car, man. Uh, that's kind of what bugs me the most about it.
1: Well, you know, not much is new about the Escalade either. So it's it's kind of, I think the only vehicle that's really new in that segment is the Navigator, which is new for next year or this year, mm-hmm. however you want to look at that.
0: But here's the thing about the QX80. And I'm not going to, I don't want to, I need to be clear about this. Even though it's not new or doesn't have a lot of new going, not a not a lot of new stuff going on inside of it. It's very affordable for what it is. It starts at 65 grand um, for rear-wheel drive models and then 68 grand for four-wheel drive models while the Escalade and Lincoln are both in the $70,000 range um, and I think even maybe the Mercedes is closer to 80 grand. this is this is much more affordable than those two cars and I think it still carries um, really high quality, um a really high quality motor, motoring experience for the Yeah user. I
1: I like the QX80 I like how it drives I feel it's it feels very high end the, like you said the interior I used to feel like it was the nicest interior in the entire Infinity lineup I haven't been in the new one that you've been in but the previous year's model just the the execution and the quality of the materials very very on on point for I think the the audience that Infiniti's going after mm mm-hmm. Mhm
0: the driving experience is kind of where the car has been let down. Um, although the v eight is very good, I found the steering to be very light, and I don't think that combines well with a big, wide car like this, especially one that can get caught up in in gusts of wind and you know the car can kind of can kind of start moving a little bit more or when you have to make so many minor or small corrections to make sure that you stay in the middle of the of the lane. Um so I don't like the light steering, but I think some other owners will probably appreciate it. Because it's such a big car, and they expected it to be kind of big and unwieldy to drive.
1: So you're saying it's easy to park, but it's unwieldy when it's underway. Yeah, that's what I think. It requires a lot of corrections while driving. So does does the infant does it do well? Do people buy this truck? Because I know that the the, the full size SUVs they really don't sell that strongly. I mean, their day is kind of come and gone. All the truck-based, like the Escalade, the Tahoe, the Suburban, they sell okay, but it, it's not like the avalanche of sales they used to have. That that kind of has all been soaked up by the smaller SUVs and crossovers.
0: That's a really that's an, that's a reasonable question. Um, so, the QX eighty, let me see here,
1: sixteen thousand last year, fifteen thousand this year.
0: Yeah, so it's clearly going down in the U. Those are U.S. sales, right? Yes. So, what I understand is that they are quite happy with the sales of the vehicle um, in global markets. And that's where they're they're hoping to make a bigger splash. Um, I suppose we've been talking about crossovers for a long time. Um, full-size SUVs are no longer as lucrative as they used to be.
1: I think they're still lucrative in the sense that it doesn't cost a lot to make them. So I think the profit margins are higher. But the volume has definitely dropped.
0: OK but i think other markets are picking up on on these things um apparently they're very popular in the middle east they're very popular in china um and or in russia sorry um and in some southern areas as well i'm not quite sure but i think maybe um some spots below the border so uh b- below the equator so the I consider, equator <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i can't quite I, i'm not quite sure i want to say brazil but i don't think that's
1: it so well, I um, can't maybe. think of any other country below the equator. Well, thanks, Ben. <laughs> um, what Wait, else do you know is, about this thing? Is Are Australia
0: we... a country? Here we go. The global SUV market. <clears throat> <laughs> Australia is a country, yes. The global SUV market is, accounts for apparently 2.2 million vehicles every year. Okay. And that's in the world. Okay. Um, which is kind of interesting considering I think f one hundred and fifty sell like, what, a million a year in, US, in the U.S. alone?
1: Well, like 800,000, I think.
0: Okay, um, they say it's a fra- one of the fastest-growing segments globally, and the demand just increases. They say the significant demand for this thing, not only in North America but in the Middle East and Russia. And Which, so, and just
1: to be clear, the Middle East is above or below the equator? <laughs> yeah. Above, I believe. Is that what? What is, but doesn't middle mean? Just on top of it, or to the side? I don't know. <laughs> UnnamedGeographicPodcast.com.
0: Right. Um, what else do we need to talk about this thing? Um, you tell it me. <laughs> is, uh,
1: I'm
0: I'm having a tough time just coming up with what this thing really um really delivers. How about this, Ben? You're gonna love this. The leather is now soil and stain resistant and will resist denim dye transfers. What's denim dye transfer? It's when you wear your <laughs> denim jeans um, or your denim jacket and um, it rubs off onto the leather. And that so you're,
1: s- you're saying the Canadian tuxedo is no longer a threat to the Infiniti QX80? That's exactly what I'm saying, and I think that's huge. Well, definitely. I think a lot of people who are in the financial bracket who can afford a QX80 wear mm-hmm. a lot of denim jackets. I that's agree just, with you. That's just a feeling I have.
0: <laughs> the car also comes with new uh, 22-inch wheels. Okay. <laughs>
1: yep. What else do you want to know? I don't know. What I else think, do
0: you think this car needs? What about, what about what you think this car needs? You can, I don't think it
1: needs anything. Honestly, no, hold on, I think it's hold perfection. Up, and I think it looked fine. And then you you just trash talked it. And no. you, you had a problem with it. And you ex- expanded that problem to the rest of the market and thought that everyone else had a problem with it, too. And I think that hurt a lot of feelings.
0: OK, well, I apologize for hurting anyone's feelings on the Unnamed Automotive Podcast about their Infiniti QX80 love. Um, you heard it here first, Sammy apologizing. What I will say though is that maybe there should be more features in this car that tra- that make that um, that luxury experience more more central. So in Mercedes products, you can get a massage seat um, and I think you can get that in the Lincoln as well.
1: And that perfume thing.
0: And that perfume thing, yeah, that's worth talking about. Um, there's also no Android Auto or Apple CarPlay support, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, I know you don't think so, but There's no fancy digital dash. There's no head-up display. There's a couple of features that I just wish that this car had. No giant panoramic sunroof. How about that? Um, These are some some small things that I think Infiniti can definitely deliver in the next generation product, uh, and they're clearly missing in this car. Additionally, you might like this. I know we've talked. I think one of our earliest podcasts were about using Amazon Alexa to operate your car. Well, the QX80 can do that. No. Aren't you excited? You can remote no. start your car through
1: Amazon Alexa. Amazon, start my car. They sold ten thousand navigators last year.
0: Mm, that's not very many.
1: <laughs> no, that's that's fifty percent less than they sold QX eighties.
0: And they're launching a new one. The the a twenty eighteen model is def is on the way with a new platform, new engine.
1: And uh, uh twenty three thousand escalades.
0: Okay. And you have QX eighty you said QX eighty numbers?
1: Sixteen thousand.
0: Okay. So, so it's, 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 it's more it, the infinity. It's a I mean, player. It's,
1: yeah, it is a player. Uh, and I think I understand why it's
0: very affordable and it offers really, really impress a really impressive cabin for the the price. But Ben, um, you also drove a pretty impressive car, um, not in North America. What did you? What did you take a look?
1: Well, at? Well, I, I was in Barcelona, Spain. Ooh, and uh, my first time there, and I was there with Volvo to drive the XC40, which is another SUV-slash-crossover, but at the entirely different side of the size spectrum. It's the mm-hmm. uh, it's Volvo's very first entry-level crossover. So it's about the size of a BMW X1 or an Audi Q3. And I was pleasantly surprised by the vehicle in almost every category. What Volvo has done, you know, they made a big splash with the XC90, right? Was it two years ago when it came out? And then yeah. Yeah. They they refreshed the XC60. It, sh- it
0: should be worth pointing out. The XC90, like, we're not exaggerating when they say they made a big splash. They literally dropped it into a giant puddle, uh, and it splashed everybody. No, what actually – what I think you mean is that it wow. won a number of, it won a number of uh, awards for –
1: Unnameddadjokespodcast.com?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Uh, they It won a bajillion awards as Car of the Years and Crossover of the Year, and I think – it was really important for Volvo to to continue their their momentum. Well, and I the feel XC40. totally
1: derailed by your weird jokes. So, um, what was I talking about
0: You're talking, <laughs> You're talking about how this is following up on on the XC40, XC, I mean the XC60.
1: Kind um, of. It's 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 it is and it isn't. That's the thing. Okay. That was my point that I was making before I was interrupted by comedy. Um, it was. The idea is the, the XC90 made a big splash because it was really style forward, and no one was really expecting that from Volvo because Volvo has a conservative reputation, and they've had to shed that in order to attract buyers. Uh, because the world just has gone in a different direction in the luxury segment, and you can't rely on safety and solid solid driving experience anymore. You gotta you gotta catch people's attention, and the XC90 did that, and then the XC60 did that as well. But the XC40, it's not only Does it look different from other cars in its class, like from BMW, Audi, or Mercedes? It looks different from the other Volvo SUVs. It doesn't have the same styling themes throughout the sheet metal or even inside the vehicle. And I think that's a really interesting risk for Volvo to have taken. And I think that it was a good idea to do so. It it, it stands apart from... The larger vehicles. It's not just, you know, every German SUV these days, it's just a smaller version of the SUV that came before it. Mm-hmm. And Volvo did not follow that cliche.
0: I absolutely love the way that this car looks. It looks fantastic. And Volvo's kind of giving it some character in the name of, um, or in the way of some additional colors, I think, paint finishes and two tone f- paint finishes, too.
1: Well, there's a little bit of – you can get a few colors. It still basically boils down to there's a blue, a red, and a different blue, and then everything else is like gray, white, black, or – a variation thereof. But you can but, also get that two-tone, that blacked-out roof segment, right? Or, yeah, you can yeah. do that. And uh, that's and something a white you can't... Out? A white-out one, too, maybe? Sure, sure. You can get a contrasting color roof. It's something you can't get on any other Volvo crossover. But it's also the fact that there's a lot of angles in this car that you wouldn't see on an XC90. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not as smooth or slab-sided as as the other cars. And uh, inside, it's not as complicated looking. It's it's a more basic presentation, but it's 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 not... Um it's still appealing to look at. Okay. And they made it really practical. The inside has lots of storage nooks. There's all sorts of hidden storage. There's there's hooks to put things on. Like there's even a hook on the dashboard so that if you have like a takeout bag of food, you can just hook it up there instead of worrying right. about it. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to put it on the seat and have all that grease go on the seat. You know, it's it's I think it's called pizza grease transfer technology. Something like that. Uh you don't have to worry so about that. So we've got that.
0: Infinity worrying about the denim dye transfer and they're worrying about the they're worrying about the pizza grease?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh um, no. what's did all of the
0: automakers just have like a party recently?
1: It was just a big food fight and we ended up with the XC forty and the QX80. Uh but under the hood there's a couple of engines. They're both two liters, they're both turbo, they're both four cylinder. One mm. of them's a hundred and eighty-five horsepower, which I didn't drive. The one I did try was about 248 horsepower, and it's in the R-Design model, which is their top-of-the-line car. Uh, it's not fast. It's it's a quick, reasonably quick. It has an 8-speed automatic. It has all-wheel drive standard. The only front-wheel drive cars are going to be sold in the United States, and they're going to be with that base motor. Everything else has all-wheel drive. I just think that you know after driving it around barcelona there there's, a, there's like a very hilly country just outside of the city it's kind of a wine country twisting turning narrow roads it, it's it's not like it's a, it's not a fun vehicle to drive you wouldn't be excited to drive it but it's very competent it's comfortable and it looks great i think that you know volvo's really just when I think I kind of have them figured out in terms of the direction they're heading, they do something like this and they create a vehicle that just stands apart from everything else in its class. And I think the only area where you know they might have stumbled a little bit is with price because it starts at I think thirty-three thousand and goes up to thirty-seven, thirty-eight thousand for the top trim. Which is competitive, but it just doesn't feel. It's competitive, but they're not they're an underdog they need yeah. to they need to they're a challenger brand they need to get people in the showroom to take a chance on them mm-hmm. and it's harder to take a chance when you Your know it's exactly the same as yeah as brands. Absolutely. exactly and especially if people are like you know people are going to know what the bmw badge means at work when i pull into the parking lot no one really knows where volvo sits right now in the hierarchy of luxury cars they're still building that reputation and it's it's going to be trickier for them to attract the same level of attention.
0: So we've spoken in the past as to what makes Volvo now, what's the modern Volvo, and we've said design. And and it sounds like they really impressed you with the design of this car. And they've impressed me as well. The interior and exterior design is really clever. Um, I especially am excited about this vehicle. And hopefully it raises the game for the rest of the... Um, segment i really don't like the gla i think that that's been said before in this class i mean this conversation i don't think the q3 is any better this is a good looking car this is, it looks like a very it has a very good interior um and it has a ton of uh, a ton of power in that only powertrain that it comes to in canada um that 240 250 horsepower engine that's wicked man
1: yeah it, it you know it's it's like the X1 and the Q3, they're perfectly fine. They're just not great. They're not exciting. Mm-hmm. They don't look great. They look very anonymous. And Volvo was like, hey, here's something that you can show off and legitimately is stylish. And it's not a car that's just like, you know how some vehicles, they they, they, they seem extroverted and they seem like they're in your face and that's why you notice them? The mm-hmm. XC40 is not like that. You notice it because it's different and because it's well-executed. This is –
0: and I I have a couple of questions to ask. Um, The infotainment system, uh, what's it called? Census.
1: Census, yeah. So I am not a fan of Census. That's Still still not better? (laughs) No. It's the same. It's exactly the same. I think it's a little bit smaller. I can't remember exactly. I think it's like 12.3 inches. So if you're not familiar with Census, Volvo has taken um, the standard LCD screen you would see in any – car or truck or whatever and they flipped it on its side so it's taller than it is wide and then they've stuffed it filled with tiny fonts and a whole bunch of menus at the top the bottom and the sides slide out of everywhere and it's hard to read while you're driving and it's hard to find all the features you want to find in easy way it's just there's a whole lot going on okay. so um, I'm not a fan of it it continues in its unchanged form in the XC40 it's the only real sour spot of the car for me. It's also not very responsive. I had to use the navigation system a number of times during the drive, and tapping the screen multiple times just to get it to pop up what I wanted it to pop up got old really fast.
0: Okay. Uh, they got rid of that weird switch uh, ignition. Oh, well, yeah. There's no. Now it's a button.
1: Yeah, it's it's a normal button like you find in any crossover, and I think that's smart. Uh, do you miss, the, do you miss the, the nub? No, and I don't miss that weird chrome log that was on the center. <laughs> yeah. So like the the XC90 has this. I, I, there's no other way to describe it. It's like a it's like a log. It's a textured chrome log that you roll to get various drive oh, modes. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So in the in the XC40, it's just a button like it should be. <laughs> Uh, so that's gone too and I think that's cool because the XC90 is a much more expensive much higher class vehicle and you don't want to have Everything looking the same in all of your vehicles, and that's a pitfall that many many automakers have fallen into. And the sad thing is, what normally happens is you end up with like the top of the line vehicle resembling the entry level vehicle instead of the entry level vehicle resembling the top of the line vehicle. There's like a democratization of quality where they're like a lower limit rather than a higher limit. And in Volvo, the inside of the car looks quite different from an XC90 or even an XC60. You know what's funny is uh you look in the X C ninety and the sixty and they have that that uh, Scandinavian Swedish flag on the seats. There's mm-hmm. like a little sticker. It's a it it's not a sticker, but it's it's sewn into the seats, right? Right. In the X C forty you don't have that. It's gone. It's on the front fender. What? <laughs> yeah, underneath on the, the other... hood underneath the hood cut there's a rubber Swedish flag. Rubber. Mm-hmm. So that's thinking outside the box. That's doing something different. That's what Volvo oh, needs. Oh, I see
0: to, it. It is yeah. tiny.
1: It's that's like right Volvo, a, right there at
0: that clamshell or whatever you want to call it, where the hood liner. Yeah. Hood line.
1: So Volvo needs to be noticed. They need to do different things. They need to not be so different that they weird people out. And yeah. I think they're I think they're walking that line very well. It
0: is a very attractive car. I can't get over it. I want one. Um, in a way. Oh, it is. That is a very weird looking logo. It just what like sticks mean? out of the it sticks out of the gap between the hood and the yeah and it's the just,
1: it's an unusual badge that's for sure okay
0: it's it looks like it's gonna get torn off in a car
1: wash well I don't know if it's that extreme okay uh I also see it has a digital <laughs> dash why didn't you mention this when you, well it's 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 the same dash you would find in the XC60 I didn't Oh,
0: I absolutely can't get enough of this car so you really gonna buy one like is it.
1: you gonna put the deposit down sell the FRS now it's all about crossovers
0: no it's a bit expensive um. And I also had another question. Did you listen to any music in this car? Because it has a weird sound system. I did. It was okay. It wasn't great. And the weird part is that it uses an air speaker or something like that. What? I don't know what you're talking about. There's something in it. Let me look it up. I believe it's called a fresh air subwoofer.
1: Or fresh. Okay, that sounds totally fake. I mean... It's not! Fresh air subwoofer sounds like the kind of thing... Like, you show up to, like, the auto, auto sound shop and you're like, bro... I got a Fresh Air subwoofer for you to try. It's like five hundred dollars more than a regular subwoofer, but Fresh Air, bro. And then uh, you you buy it and you feel like you, you feel like someone's mugged you in an alley. Okay, so I I I know I I
0: agree with you. When I first read this, I didn't believe it, but this is from um a, a really quick uh preview of the XD forty that um, an Auto editor did. His name is Cheedy. He's the new features editor, and he explained that. Um,
1: Wait, is Auto Guide where you work, Sammy?
0: Yeah. And as well as where we can find one of your reviews of the xc (laughs) 40 So they had to maximize interior storage and they had to move certain things around, especially the speakers. Um, And apparently there's a unique piece of technology called fresh air speakers, which use fresh air from the engine bay, although I'm not sure that's quite fresh, to augment sound distribution from those same speakers placed behind the dashboard to provide full sounding music listening experience. Okay. Uh, comparable to the vehicle with sp- speakers located on all four doors.
1: For those of us who live in the real world, here's how speakers work. There is a membrane that is receives an electronic signal and then it transforms that signal into an analog wave that then is it pushes air, right? Gotcha. And then you hear that through the air. That's that's the sound wave that you're hearing. It's into created my by ear. this it's into your It's it's created by this membrane that thing that sammy just read is not a real thing that's something (laughs) called marketing and marketing sounds real and feels real but ultimately is insubstantial (laughs) okay so you're saying that it doesn't
0: have fancy speakers or weird speakers.
1: i'm I'm not saying that it doesn't do what they're saying it does but i'm saying that what they're saying it does isn't real (laughs) (laughs) okay um anything else
0: you want to add about this car
1: no, I'm still kind of, my mind's kind of blown right now <laughs> by this, this fresh air. Is there also an exhaust-powered turbo speaker system that, like, might be even louder?
0: I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I love this car. I really uh, was delighted to hear that you enjoyed it because I've been looking at it for a while. And I also like that they, I think they were going to make the new S60, and then they realized just how popular uh, crossovers are and they they put that on the back burner to develop the XC40 as a result
1: what's kind of neat is this is you know this is the first small crossover we've gotten from Volvo and they hit it out of the park yeah they like, nailed it like they just they, they really nailed it. run. and it's not just a smaller XC60 and you know talking to the engineers they were really adamant about that and when when they designed it they they wanted it to be different so it's not an accident this is something that they really thought about and they're like, we need to be in this segment, and we're going to do it our way. And to hear a car company say that and then actually do it is refreshing. Great. Um, I
0: drove another car, um, a Buick Regal Sportback.
1: So Ben, what's a sportback? A sportback is all the rage these days. You haven't heard? <laughs> Wait, is it is a does a sportback take air from the engine bay <laughs> and then freshen your back with it somehow?
0: No, essentially, it's a workout machine that specifically works on your back, making it more sporty and making you better at sports as a result.
1: The trapezius.
0: Yeah. A sport back is a popular body style, or a body style that's becoming more popular. Um, I think it was best introduced with the maybe the Audi A7.
1: Um, so it's a hatchback. So it's,
0: like a, it's a hatchback, but it's not. It doesn't look like a hatchback. It's like that got that sloping rear end, and the and the trunk is hinged on the roof. So ever since the A7, um, other automakers have adapted it. We've seen the BMW 4 Series Grand Coupe. We've seen the new Kia Stinger, um, as well as the Audi A5 Sportback. And I'm bringing up all those cars because they're pretty much what the Buick Regal uh, Sportback is is targeting in a way. And I think. For the most part, Buick has done a really good um a really good job of trying to reach that bench those benchmarks. I don't think it quite reaches those tiers, but it gets very close. Um my favorite part about though about the Buick Regal Sportback is that it looks really solid. Um I think it was a year ago when we saw the Avista concept, which was a coupe that Buick immediately told us that they weren't going to make, but it was a very eye-catching vehicle and it really surprised everyone what can be done with a new Buick design language. And ever since then, I think Buick has really started delivering some really good looking cars. The Buick, um, Regal is, is, the Buick Regal Sportback is definitely um, the best looking car that they might have on the market right now.
1: So do you, th- how do you think this, is this a car, first of all, that was designed for North America or is this a car that was really intended to sell in China, which is kind of where Buick's primary focus is these days.
0: I think it is designed to to sell in China for sure. And that can be seen with just how much space the car has, um, especially in the, in the rear and in the cargo area. And for people who, um, who were wondering why that has to what that has to do with China. Apparently there's many chauffeur driven vehicles in China and, um, even cars like this can be chauffeur driven.
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's a three series and four series extended wheelbase cars that that have more rear seat room for that reason in that market.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you want to know about this car? I I'm, it's it's a new generation product. It um, I think was developed with Opel in mind, but
1: since then GM has gotten rid of the Opel division. Um, I and what does it, that mean for Buick? Like what happens to this car now that you know the brain trust behind it kind of has been severed?
0: They are adamant that this will not change. This did not change the development of the car and will not change the future of the, the Regal. Um, and I think they learned a lot of lessons from Opel. Opel was one of the better um, divisions, I think, that General Motors had. Uh, it was a European car maker. or I, th- I suppose German is the best way to describe it. Um, automaker or brand. And they operated a little, uh, kind of independently from the rest of GM. And they delivered some really good cars in the past. The, the previous Regal, which was a really solid driving car, um, was an opal insignia and this is this follows the same path as that But um, I want to bring up a couple of other things here What really surprised me about this car are two things it has a really really strong powertrain and it has um, a fantastically quiet interior um, So let me start with that engine the engine is a two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine, which is pretty common nowadays It makes 260 horsepower and has two different torque outputs depending on which model you get. So you can get a front-wheel drive model, which has 260 pound-feet of torque, or you can get an all-wheel drive model, which has 295 pound-feet of torque. So I imagine that they probably limited the torque on the front-wheel drive model to limit torque steer. Um, We drove the all-wheel drive car, and I'm telling you, this car gets up to speed very quickly, very convincingly, very smoothly um and never felt like it was it was falling behind. And that's really important I think for Buick because Buick is typically seen as a as an old man brand or um not very modern, very slow, very plodding or like kind of plodding around. And this car definitely does not do that. The car also has a nice 8-speed automatic transmission. I know I'm blowing your mind here right now. This reminds me of me talking about the Eclipse Cross last week. Your Eclipse just, Cross. You're just like, "Uh-huh." Um, the car also has an 8-speed automatic transmission, 4-cylinder models get, i mean, sorry, front-wheel drive models get a 9-speed automatic transmission Um, there's nothing I need to say about the transmission except for I wish it it had paddle shifters or sport mode Um, the car was very eager to change gears um, and especially when it's as well designed as this car was, I would have liked it to have a sport mode and I'm usually actually against sport modes but um, in this case I wanted something that could have use the full potential of this platform and this powertrain to give me something that was a little bit more fun. Um, And then the the final thing I mentioned was just how quiet it is. It has active noise cancellation, but it also has um, some unique wheels. Um, It's developed in combination with Continental. There's apparently a foam lining inside the tire, which helps absorb certain noises um, and helps helps the car sound quieter and feel quieter as a result
1: sounds sounds expensive though like if i was going to replace those foam lined wheels
0: i i agree with you i haven't found out just how much these tires are to replace and whether any of these tires like i have to get these Continentals in order to get that experience which is probably the case any questions my friend
1: not really i feel like i'm kind of I feel like I need, I've learned all I need to know about this this vehicle. It, it just seems really niche. Like, um, why? I no, kind of lost no way, track. What, what I've lost if, what track. If I tell what, you how cheap it is. I've lost track of what Buick's doing over the last few years. Like, I was really into the Regal uh, before the redesign, mm-hmm. and you know, now, now that the I was also into was the subcompact or the compact car like, that they wrong? had. No. The Verano was a good car, especially with the and, turbocharged engine. Yeah, and now it's gone, it's gone. And the Regal is different. And I just, I guess, I'm trying to figure out where Buick's going. I, the last Buick I drove was the Envision, which I believe we drove together two yep. years ago. Yeah. And so,
0: uh, would you yeah. laugh if I told you that this car has more space in the trunk than the Envision does?
1: No, I, I that that seems totally plausible.
0: And nor total space than the Envision does.
1: That would seem a little weird.
0: Isn't that crazy? 60 cubic feet in this thing when you when you fold the rear seats down. We even stuffed a full size bike into the into the back seat of this into the back of this car without needing to remove the wheel. Which I think. Where'd you get the bike? Where'd you get the bike? Uh, We were in Austin, Texas, and it's full of hipsters, so we just took a fixie. (laughs) Um, What else do I need to say about this? It's very affordable. It starts at under twenty six thousand dollars, which is pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I think that at that price. I mean you're going to be accessing a whole group of buyers who might not have felt they could access the sport back styling before cuz I can't really think of another car in that price. how much is the Kia Stinger I think the it Kia starts Stinger around is
0: 30 33 I think or 34
1: Really? I thought it was cheaper than that for the for the 2 liter. Anyway, um, that would probably but that's I real guess real be...
0: drive as well and some people might want to associate the sport back with some sporty driving dynamics and I
1: don't know if the Buick quite delivers that. Maybe, but if, if you're style first, then it's it's an accessible price point. I Honestly, I can't get enough of the styling of this car. I think it's a really cleanly
0: designed car. Uh, that's something that I don't think Buick was well known for. You used to see portholes and vents and other you know weird design elements in the car. And this thing doesn't have any of that. Additionally, they got rid of the, the handle at the back of the car. Uh, instead, you just tap the, the Buick logo, and the truck pops open, which is kind of cool. I love that. I always love those, that's, like, secret buttons that you have to press. Or
1: you have to but does it work if it's covered in ice?
0: Um, it's just a button. It's not, like, uh, it's not touch-sensitive. Okay, not like you, a you said, like, ship. tap the logo,
1: so I was like... <clears throat>
0: no, it actually, you have know. to depress the logo. And okay, that's cool. Buttons. Yeah, I'm I know. Behind
1: that.
0: So I really love that. Um, there's also a couple of different models of Regal coming. The Sportback is just one. There's also going to be the Tourex, which is, like, a raised wagon. Something kind of like the track or the All Road, which both seem very similarly named. Um, <laughs> the Buick. Uh, it, so, this is not coming to Canada, which is a big bummer for a lot of Canadians who might be liking that body style or wagon body style. <laughs> and if you want something more sportier, which is what I was hoping for, you can get it in the Buick Regal GS, which uses a six cylinder naturally aspirated engine.
1: And is the GS front wheel drive only? Or is it no, all wheel drive it's only? It is all wheel yeah?
0: drive, but from what I understand, they still haven't given it paddle shifters.
1: That's a little weird because it used to come with a manual transmission. I know the, and right, the that's manual was cool too. Well, it was it was cool. It wasn't easy to drive. Um, it wasn't the smoothest manual, but it was a, it was a great looking car. Wasn't that a front wheel drive GS? Yes. Yeah. It was. So yeah. Weird. Only only manual with front wheel drive.
0: So Buick says that their strategy though is to go after the white space that no one's taught no one's thought about. They still offer a front wheel drive, um, convertible, the Cascada. That's actually the oldest product in their lineup which is crazy. But
1: yeah. well, the craziest thing about the Cascada is if you ever look inside the cockpit, there's 600,000 buttons. It is <laughs> it is just nuts how many buttons there it's are.
0: It's made up of the entire dashboard is buttons.
1: I remember when I went, when when it was unveiled in Detroit a few years ago and I saw all these buttons and I'm like, "Whoa, is is I asked the Buick Wrap, uh, is that going to be the production car like is it gonna have all of those buttons and they're like no 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 don't worry that's that's just the because it's based on an opal right and they're like that's just the opal interior we'll have a a north american one that's different and then they put it on sale and it was exactly the same um yeah no i mean like i
0: said they have all these weird weird cars that no one else is offering so i don't know who else has a front wheel drive uh compact um Convertible it kind of replaces what the Volkswagen Eos used to offer Um, There's also the encore the encore has to be one of their best-selling cars It's a tiny subcompact Buick crossover and they've always surprised at how many of these things sell which I think is is quite high up there So they're always offering new weird niche things. They're trying to get people into their into their um, Their dealerships, and I think they're doing a good job with clean design Unique body styles and um, quiet interiors that are really surprising. I really wish the interior had better quality. There's a lot of chrome there's a lot of Chrome um, elements and trim bits. There's also some hard plastics in there. Um, the infotainment screen is like, I mean, am I, am I petty for complaining about an eight inch infotainment system when like smartphones are all eight inches now, so they're huge like I, I feel like I want a bigger screen. It also has well, a really you know, dated looking gauge cluster.
1: Yeah, it's it's GM's really not keeping up with the gauge cluster game. I, you know, you look at something like the Cadillac ATS and, and the ATS-V, and they have these completely uninspiring, boring gauge clusters. And then you look at something like the CTS, which has like a way nicer gauge cluster, and you're like, well, why not make it at least an option on the more entry-level cars?
0: And I also want to add one more thing. You know, Buick and GM has this OnStar stuff um, where their cars are like internet-connected. They're also going to offer something called the Marketplace, which is a shop or a store within the dashboard of the
1: car. Don't and get me started on the Marketplace. What do I do now? I. <laughs> <laughs> you can finish your sentence. Uh,
0: um, so you can pre-order your coffee before, uh, through your car. You can reserve a table um, at a local restaurant. You can um, order some takeout, like uh, from a Wings shop, before you get – your wing before you get home. I think that's really cool. Um, some people have concerns about it being distracting. Some people have concerns about it um, being um, just shoving more corporate stuff down your throat while you're driving. Or I'm gonna I'm your... gonna be
1: honest with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let you finish, Tete, But I I gotta say, first of all. The system for ordering the coffee, here's how it works. You order it through your car. You go up to the driving window of the shop that you've ordered it from. You have to tell them your name, and then you proceed to the window and pick up your coffee. What does that save? 30 seconds, maybe? 30 seconds of conversation with that person at the speaker where you, instead of just telling them your name, you had to say your order? Yeah, what? what I mean, that's... That's ridiculous. It's just another way for people
0: to go to a coffee shop that they haven't gone to before. I
1: I just think it's... I don't think anyone wants this. um it's just another hey, we can do it, so we did,
0: okay. Um, I agree with you on that. I don't know how i when I first heard about it, I didn't know what the I didn't know what the I didn't know what the use case was,
1: so I have something that I wanted to talk about that's not related to the Buick car, if that's okay, okay, um it's uh, unless you had more to say about the car, no, go ahead. So this leads back to last month when we were at the LA Auto Show, and I've been thinking about this quite a bit, and I talked about it with Sammy a little bit offline, but um, I went to something called Automobility, which is a, a fairly useless hmm. um, preamble to the LA Auto Show, where they they it's, it's a bunch of technology for the automotive industry that's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but a lot of car companies talk about things like autonomous driving and connected cars and whatnot. And it it's a whole-day affair, and I was there because I was attending as a guest of BMW, and I saw the keynote speaker, who was an executive at BMW, talking about their plans for this type of autonomy. But uh, what really put me off was the introduction to the keynote speech was done by someone named Brian Cooley, who is an editor-at-large at at CNET. Mm -hmm. And he gave a presentation that was just slide after slide of figures and facts and numbers and statistics that seemed fairly disjointed. But the thing that bothered me the most was, at one point during the presentation, he was discussing autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned the downer media. And the way he did it was he said that, people who were present at this this conference that I was at right there were different than what he termed the downer media. And the downer media are people who aren't cheerleading autonomous driving, who aren't on the front line saying, yes, this is going to happen, we need to do this, this is, this is the way of the future. So anyone who is critical of how it's being implemented now or how it might be implemented in the future was included in this definition. And I was so offended by that. And it really bothered me, and it's bothered me – it's like almost, a, what, three weeks later, mm-hmm. and I'm still thinking about it. Just the idea that if you're not a cheerleader, you're against a technology or against a concept because you're critical of it. Right. And that really made me think about the role of media and how the role of media is to report facts and to provide analysis, not to encourage something.
0: Uh, you know what? I'm First of all, I'm glad you got that off your chest because I know that's been bugging you a little bit. Um, And I kind of I agree with you, but I also know where he's coming from and I don't think he worded it very correctly at all. Actually, I don't and I don't think you should call out the media for doing what they are supposed to do, which is to provide critical analysis on what's going on in in people's world.
1: Yeah, and I was offended that... He, he implied that because I was attending a conference about a certain topic, I was a wholehearted supporter of that topic? No, absolutely. Instead not. of trying to of learn some... more about it, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's not how it was presented at all. And, and I think that Sorry, that's a ahead. really dangerous attitude in the media that I'm seeing more and more of. It, it becomes an adver- adversarial kind of attitude where you have people at two poles, people who support something and people who don't support it, when in reality, journalism is supposed to be something in the middle where you present both opinions and you look the reader decide and that seemed to be completely absent from this point of view expressed by someone who was introducing the keynote speaker at automobility and I think that's irresponsible
0: yeah uh, I agree with you and I also think that it's it's 100% there that especially when it comes to autonomous vehicles and I think other um really sticky subjects like electric vehicles or electrification or um fuel cell vehicles that there's always this mentality of us against them and that's not the case these
1: it's not it's not helpful no. it's, you're not you're not helping anyone you're not you know what like the only way something gets better is if it's exposed to the world and then that world provides feedback and then another development cycle occurs and then you do the same thing again and again that's Absolutely. it's an iterative improvement and to to just say that you have to be evangelical about a topic in order to encourage it to the marketplace is ridiculous
0: that's a really important—I'm telling you, feedback is what makes these things better. And um, honestly, we, I want to like um, autonomous vehicles. I just don't know how they'll—I don't know how they'll work. I don't know how they'll actually do their
1: job. Um, I, you know, I, I don't many. think it's a—is it a matter of liking them, though? I mean, it, it doesn't matter if we like them or not. The, the technology is the technology, right? And it, it either exists or it doesn't, and then we report on it.
0: right. Uh, anything else you wanted to bring up? I remember you mentioning uh, when we were when we were getting ready for this that you had something that you wanted to bring up and maybe lighten up the mood um and I think
1: oh yeah, was- so so Porsche is doing something that I think is hilarious um and and fun. So I don't know if you remember last year was it we were talking about smart hobos, mm-hmm. Audi's smart hobo system for those of you who aren't fanatically following all of our podcasts, Audi created this virtual beehive technology. That they were studying, and it was fascinating and absurd, and and something. Audi is really good at coming up with these tangential technological initiatives, but Porsche kind of is is right there with them with something called the uh it's it, it's it's I, I believe it's called Turbinchen. Turbinchen. Yeah. So, yes. So Turb ter, ter, Turb Turbinchen is honey that is produced by 1.5 million bees at the Leipzig. Uh, porsche facility right. where they set up tw- they set up 25 bee colonies in the off-road area at the factory <laughs> in may and so the uh the bees the, right now they're hibernating they're going to chill out in the off-road area <laughs> but they've managed to produce a huge amount of honey um i'm going to try and find the exact number oh sorry 400 kilograms which is about 900 pounds of honey and it's lime blossom honey Okay. And it's for a sale at the customer center shop, which I've actually been to, and it's called Turbienchen. Right. So if you want Porsche lime honey, <laughs> you can get it. for I, The price is not – it comes in these cute little bottles, but these are, these are Porsche bees. And uh, it's – anyway, I think this is fun. I think that more car companies should be friends to bees, and I would totally support this honey by eating it.
0: What do you think um, – what do you think?
1: Do you think it? Ha- well, I didn't know that. I
0: didn't think that Porsche should have been. I thought bees were Audi's thing. Like that's my that's my jam. I'm like I'm. Worried you know about what? That.
1: Bees are everybody's thing. Really? And yeah, I think they're important. And the sustainable pasture concept at Porsche Leipzig, all is also home to many other wild animals, including birds, amphibians, hares, deer, and bats. No cows. They're not making their leather from their own cows. I don't know. I think the bats probably eat the bees, which I'm not comfortable <laughs> with, but I understand circle of life.
0: Um. What, so uh, what? do you have any ideas of what other automakers can – they should be doing the same thing? Like should a company have cows on site that they make you know, special? Why are like... you so obsessed
1: with cows? Because I'm talking I like, about bees. I like, I like what cows make, which is milk. So you want some – oh, milk. Okay. I, I thought you were like you needed to slaughter the cows and like the, use the meat or well, something. Now
0: that, you think, now that you bring it up. Um, or what else do what else do we or like silk like from or 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 wool from sheep that'd be nice. I would
1: I would be down with like some Land Rover wool, Land like from the highlands of Wales or something. That'd be great. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. But you know what? Honey is easy to do. Just do it. Just plant that plant those hives in the field and wear a mask or whatever it is you have to do not to get stung and and then
0: steal the mask won't protect the guy from being stung. A mask just covers your
1: face. Well, do you want to get stung in the face? Well, I think it's... The rest of your put it with the rest of your body. They're not like, oh, that guy's wearing a mask. No, 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 no. You don't understand the bee mentality. They're going to go for the face, man.
0: Um so what do you think? Do you think um the 1.5 million honeybees it, when you when they're flying around it all at the same time does it sound like a boxer a boxer engine?
1: Why are you always going to bring up the boxer engines, man? They sound very funny, don't they? i I think that these bees are just doing their thing, and you're trying to make them political. And I thought it was fun that they made this honey, but now you're like making jokes about boxer engines and getting stung other where, places other than the face. and <laughs> I just sorry, I don't know man. I think you're right. It's a hard world out there for bees. Colony collapse is a real thing, and Porsche is making a difference. So hats off to them buy this honey makes a great gift for the holiday season speaking of the holiday season we're upon it now and um the best way to describe our broadcasting schedule over the next couple of weeks would be erratic, I think, Sammy. sporadic We'll do it when we can. I think uh, I'm going on vacation. I'll be back after the—just um, the,
0: the just before the new year. And I'm not sure what your plans are over the over the next few weeks as well, Ben.
1: But. Just emptiness, just four walls and no furniture and the winter wind howling outside. That sounds so, nice. Once that's done, we'll be back broadcasting and uh, we're going to be in the Detroit Auto Show soon, but we'll have episodes up before Detroit happens in January. Mm-hmm. So, to everyone who's listening, thank you for spending yet another year with us. This is, I think, we're closing in on 18 months of podcasting now. Yeah. This is the 49th or the 50th episode, I think. And uh, we've really enjoyed talking with you and hearing from you. And if you want to talk back at us over the holidays, please feel free to do that. You can find us on Twitter, Sammy's Twitter handle is Sammy, sorry, at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing, and mine is at Hunting Benjamin.
0: And if you want to catch up with some of the previous episodes, or maybe even tell us which ones are your favorite, we'd really appreciate that. You can also see our entire archive of old episodes by going to our website, that's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, or you can find us on Facebook, just search for Unnamed Automotive Podcast, and you'll see our logo and our... Facebook page right there.
1: And until then, we hope that you have a safe holiday season and you stay warm and you don't get stung somewhere other than the face.
0: (laughs) Bye and thanks for listening.